Hello, and welcome to today's edition of Chapter by Chapter for Eye of the World. I am your host, Will Cowan, and with me, Steve, say hello. Hello. Hello, Steve. How are you? You know what? I want to apologize for yesterday, everyone. I was gonna. It was, uh... I was gonna say, like, you should probably <clears throat> apologize because <laughs> it was definitely Listen, not my. We all fault. know how naive chapters affect me, <laughs> and I, I, I do my best, but I can only do so much. Today's a new day. Yes, we are getting into today's chapter, chapter twenty-nine: Eyes Without Pity. Eyes Without Pity being Perrin's emo punk band that he joins in this chapter. <laughs> Yeah, they all Perrin, Igwen, and Elias form a, a emo band. Yeah, this uh, a screamo band. The uh, called Eyes Without Pity in this chapter. <laughs> it takes a real left turn, just real suddenly. But as soon as they find out that Elias can play a lute, oh boy, Perrin's got things to say. Yes, so uh, picking up right after their sudden exit from the traveling people, after that dream where. Perrin said Perrin had like a dream of Baalzaman and uh, he woke up and Elias woke up and there was all, a wolf. There was a, there was wolf. a melting wolf, there was melting wolves, bad dream, bad bread and cheese dream. They're on the move now, but they're not quite sure what from. So like Perrin and Egwene are constantly looking like, why, what are we running from? Like it, Perrin, Perrin feels the urgency of this mission but they they don't know what they're running from. He even asked like And keep in mind he's still not <clears throat> he's still not embracing the feelings he's getting, the wolf feelings. Yeah, exactly. And the intuition and and everything that comes with that. Even though there's um, constant parts peppered in where he like goes like I can feel what the wolves are looking at or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, since it was since that wolf brother chapter uh chapter 16 I think it was or something like that. <laughs> it's been nonstop. Oh yeah. With the this oh well, yeah it was it, parents been wolfy you know you know what's funny is that there as far as I can remember there is no inkling of evidence in any other previous chapter of him being a wolf wolf man you know like if you yeah no they don't like they don't hint it beforehand they just kind of drop it and then it all starts happening I guess so but like wouldn't you know in some sort of way like wouldn't you feel something when wolves are by or does it have to be these specific wolves or is Elias some sort of trigger like w- why is it happening now of all times I think you're asking I think you're asking too many questions Will I think I am yeah <clears throat> could probably be one of those coming of age things he's the right age. So it's happening along with puberty and everything else. Or like stress is happening. So it's like it just triggers this this uh, fight or flight thing. In Maybe him. he hasn't been around wolves. It, yeah, that's very true. Emmons Field could have been just like like very green and just deer and no wolves and no sadness whatsoever. Does he get anything for dogs or no? No. Just wolves. Because remember the, the, the Mastiffs or whatever dogs that, yeah. that attack them or like charge them in the last chapter or one of the traveling people chapters he didn't feel anything for those things you know he didn't feel like connected in the same way that he feels connected to wind hopper and dapple god those are just great names eh and burn and burn great names these are great oh yeah like we, we <laughs> you've mentioned a couple of times before like we got to have a horse chapter nah man we got to just have a wolf chapter a full on wolf chapter and dapple Dapple is a female. Yeah. 
and she's a leader, and then the other three are males. Yeah, exactly. They're awesome. I love these guys. So back to it. Uh, they're on the run, and I think they're they uh, they climb a hill, and they see like dark clouds in the sky, and it's like ravens, like what, like looking. Yeah, for it's them. like big, like yeah, like clouds of ravens. Clouds I guess of ravens you could describe it as which. <clears throat> I'm going to address the elephant in the room is exactly like Lord of the Rings. Exactly like Lord of the Rings. Well, I think there's a little bit of a difference, but there's a lot of parallels, man. A lot of people are going to give me flack. Well, for because this. we do find out these ravens are the eyes of the, of the dark Lord, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's cool. I guess it's a little bit similar. It's, it's pretty similar. The, I think the real difference is, is like the, uh, the aggression with these ravens that we'll get into in a, in a few seconds here. Um, oh, yeah. The aggression of these ravens compared to the ones of the Lord of the Rings. I think that's the real difference. Um, there's a, These ravens are metal as fuck. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. There's a little brief section immediately after they come down the hill is uh, when uh, Perrin has like a quick connection with the wolves and they're out, they're out scouting somewhere. You know, they're kind of like covering their backtracks. They're, they're scouting ahead. Yeah. They're scouting and covering tracks. They're doing the land job. They're doing the land job. So he, he connects with them for like a brief second and him and Perrin or uh, Perrin and Elias both look, both look at each other because the information that they're getting from the dogs at that, at that time is like, uh, Ravens are on us and we have to find a safe, safe place. And Elias has an idea of the safe place where they have to go. And they look at, yeah. And at this point it's a small group of Ravens. They say it's like 50 to a hundred. Yeah. Ish. Um, and they're trying, and yeah, I'm convinced that those are the eyes of the dark one. Yeah. And they're trying to outrun them for as long as they can and try to get to like nighttime because the, these get, these ravens can't really see at night, or at least it's harder to be seen. Yeah, yeah, it's hard, way harder to be seen. So they start heading to it, uh, and I think after like a couple of different brushes or like tree lines and what, just trudging through the forest, they come upon they come upon this like ledge where they're about to climb up, and they're kind of like looking first, and they see a fox just jump out of the brush, and yeah. all these ravens start fucking pecking it. They just fatality it. They they tear it apart. They tear, they tear it apart. They rip its spine out of its head. <laughs> it's, and then they jam it back in through its butt. Uh, it is gross. That's an actual fatality in Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. That's that's a, one of the best fatalities in Mortal Kombat. I like uh, Raiden's more... Uh, I like the bladed hat. That's not Raiden. That's a... Uh, Classic. You're talking about Kung Lao. Kung Lao. Anyways, they they're dodging these ravens, and then when they catch one lone raven, and Egwene is able to like snap them out of the air uh, with her sling. But as they kind of like go from tree line to tree line, like more and more birds are coming up on them, and they're like coming across more and more like trails of like dead squirrels and dead foxes and all. And they're seeing more groups of ravens like starting to see tons yeah exactly it's like they know they're there but they haven't seen them yet so they don't know exactly where they are but they but they're like clouding the sky at this point yeah and uh i think it's around this point where they catch the wolves at some point you know what i mean 
Yeah, they start, it's coming up. Yeah, they start bombing these uh, these the walls, right? And yeah, so and and Perrin feels it. Yeah. Oh, the, you know what? I and, think this uh, is the point where Perrin looks at uh, uh, Elias and goes like, "I feel this." Not earlier on. I think this is where he feels it. The, well, this is after this sequence. It's undeni- It's undeniable for Perrin. That he has these abilities. Yeah. Because there's also um, a sequence where they, Perrin is, is warned by the wolves that there's ravens coming up behind them. Mm-hmm. And he's, he has to, he tells he went. And it's just kind of in a, in a, you know, in a quick moment, the wolves told me ravens come. And then, you know, she realizes in that moment that Elias was telling the truth about Perrin, and I think Perrin also realizes it. It's a real along with it's a real like um, holy shit moment, just like along oh yeah, absolutely. And then along with feeling the wolves' pain, oh yeah, uh, and these guys get messed I think it's up. Undeniable. Yeah, they get messed up too by these ravens. I think none of them die though. None of them die, but they get really? messed up. Like yeah. I think Hopper has a wound or a wind has a wound. Uh, wounded leg he's like his uh leg hurts really bad hopper has like a, his eyes busted or something they were able to pick out his eye or they hurt his eye in some way and uh dapple probably has a bunch of hurts but she's like still leading the pack like we got to keep going we got to keep going and at the same time like i kind of want to point out uh elias's stamina for all of this because he's just oh, yeah, burling. He's just can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, <laughs> this is, Unstoppable wolf, man. I, was, I have a note here that says, like, Elias seems like a terrible person to travel with. Travel with. Why? I think he seems like a great person I, <laughs> he, to travel with. He's hunting, he's getting quail for you. He's covering your tracks. No, I, he's not doing that now. The wolves are kind of co- taking care of that sort of stuff, but... Same thing here. There's like a, there's a little chat. There's a little point in the chapter where they say Elias is, doesn't say anything anymore except for, and then it goes on this long passage where it's like, pick up your feet. Why are you, why aren't you not moving fast enough? Don't you understand that? What, what is at stake here? Just this long passage of him just like railing into these kids. I think it's necessary. Yeah, I guess so. If you know, look felt dickish to me. Felt dickish. These kids are a bunch of idiots. You gotta keep them in line. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's right, go, let's you go. You have ravens pecking their eyes out. Come on, you, you want ravens pecking your eyes out? Come on, kids. They get to a point. There, I think they start climbing this hill, this like uh, grassy knoll, if you if you will. Am I correct, Steve? Yep. They start climbing this, and as they're climbing it, they feel they pass a certain point, and then the ravens like disperse and start heading away. And they get, they feel like they've have this chill kind of hit them. This, um, yeah, like everything feels different all of a sudden, and Egwene especially is feeling it. Yeah, and uh, so they're like, "What's up?" And Elias goes like, "This, my friends, is a steading. It's a steading. A steading. And a steading is, I guess, from what we gathered in this chapter, it's just like a little area where." The, the one power cannot touch. You know what I mean? Well, it's an, and it's the home of these people. Which people? Called the Og- 
Oh, the ogres. Ogier? Yeah. Which is like, is that ogres? Are they ogres? Could be ogres. No. Um, like I, I looked it up here for clarification, and here's what we got: the ogier are a natural, non-human, sentient people. The sorry. The Ogier are the only natural, non-human, sentient people known. Interesting. I think that's all I'm going to read about that. <laughs> uh, just, you know. Interesting. Non-human, sentient form. Interesting. Um, and Yeah, non-human, sentient people. So, I guess they're people that aren't humans? Definitely. Well, they're ogres. I'm going to call it right now. They're ogres. The average male stands approximately 10 feet tall with women only a little shorter. Ogres! They they have very snout-like noses, almost as wide as the face, and pale eyes as big as teacups. How much, how much more Their appearance means they are often mistaken for trollocs. Because they're not trollocs. They're ogres. They're ogres. Ogres speak in an... In an inflicted tongue, which has been described as sounding like deep-voiced birds singing. Hmm. So, imagine that for a moment, if you will. Just Charlie Brown parents. Um. So yeah, so they're in the setting now, and I think uh, Egwene kind of mentions like, like can't, or Perrin. That's sorry, he's like, why can't we stay? Let's just stay here. And Elias grants them like a couple moments rest at least. I think they're, I think they are going to stay at least stay until it gets dark, so they can start traveling again. But yeah, uh, Egwene's like, well, is there anything to eat? And he's like, no, there is grass and there's like water, and that that's it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they go to the, they go to this pond um and the pond has kind of got this i had i got like a zelda vibe like you know what i mean like uh sort of like a yeah like one of those little fairy films yeah 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 the way that it kind of feels to me is like very bright and green and there's like these there's these ancient stones around them it's probably some shiny things a couple shiny things a couple of fairies floating around of course uh Egwene takes a look at one of these giant stone monuments and Elias is like, oh, this is this is the eye or like the eye of Arthur Hawkwing. I think that's what he says, right? Arthur Hawkwing. Arthur yeah. Hawkwing. And Arthur Hawkwing, he goes on this, he goes on a whole story about Arthur Hawkwing who sounds like, he sounds like, like the, 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 the champion of the, the old world. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he was a king who ruled over everything between the Aerith Ocean and the Aiel Waste. Yeah, so huge. So that's a that's a lot of territory, folks. Check out your maps. <laughs> and he's just a legendary character that uh, wanted to do well by the people, but Elias makes it a point to go like, yeah, but he also ruled with a with an iron fist in a way. He if you challenged him or opposed him on his beliefs or his uh, policies, you might as well like just be crucified, you know? And then he probably did. He probably did crucify a bunch of people, crucify a bunch of people. Probably. So can't, we can't rule it out. Yeah. And, uh, and he also hated the Aes Sedai. And, uh, 
it's like it's not a super happy story because he hated the Aes Sedai, but he ended up getting sick or, as some people believe, poisoned, and he refused any mm-hmm. help from mm-hmm. Aes Sedai and it eventually died. And then his whole entire legacy was kind of put to shambles because of his sons and trying to trying to take trying to become who he was, but they all just ended up infighting. Now the it was tainted. It was tainted. Now the importance of the stone is is that before he died, he just he wanted to build a new city, build a city that like represented himself and be the the main center of where he will rule. And to start the city, he built a huge monument to himself. I mean, if I was going to start a city, that's step one. That's step one. What else are you going to build? If I built, look, town hall, every Sim city <laughs> that I have starts with a big old statue of me. Right? I tried to start Animal Crossing with just a statue of me, but it wouldn't let me. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, because the infighting that all his kids were in and just the, the lack of focus and the lack of control, like the when you rule with an iron fist things become good for some people and that's the point that elias makes is that like they're the common folk were well fed nobody fought with each other but also nobody really had a choice to choose a different option or question their leadership Mm -hmm. in any sort of way so because of the infighting the city that he wanted to build with his statue right in the middle didn't happen and eventually no days Eventually, that statue came crumbling down. Was it torn down or was it crumbled down? Or just crumbled down? Crumbled, I, I took it as. Yeah. It's called crumbled. Yeah, I think it was crumbling. And that was like, that's his legacy now. So, this is very much like a Nazimandius sort of, like, tale. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Which is definitely... It's cool. It gives a little bit... It's It gives more context for the world, which I'm always for. I'm always for a little bit of exposition. Hit me with it. We love our world building. Love it. We love it. Um, At that point, that's pretty much where the chapter ends. I think Perrin just like kind of thinks about... Well, there's a... Yeah, there's a couple notes with Perrin at the end because he... Perrin is... Perrin's... Now he's bummed out. And now he's... uh, While he's sitting around the fire, he's still telling himself that He's not a wolf, man. He still he still doesn't believe it, even though I think that he does, and he'll soon realize it. Mm-hmm. But still doesn't believe it. Then he has really dark thoughts about like if he oh my god is capable. Yeah, I totally of, missed uh, uh, this huge kind of character point for Perrin. Yeah, yeah, because it definitely because then he 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 has these really dark thoughts about. If he would be able to kill Egwene, if the ravens had have caught up with her, yeah, as like a mercy, would he be able? To, yeah, would he be able to mercy kill her and not instead of to stop the ravens from packing her to shreds? Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Fuck, I had a note there for it too. And this, this when I read that part, I was like, this is the darkest chapter yet. You got bunnies being torn apart, foxes getting skulls getting ripped out of their heads and then wolves getting pecked wolves getting pecked and then top it all off with Perrin considering killing one of his best friends to save her from the from the the fate that the ravens would permit them you know 
And then he goes to sleep. So hopefully he didn't have any <laughs> cheese and bread before that. Uh, yeah, before I would. That one. And you know, he didn't. He had grass and water. So we'll see <laughs> how that affects the dreams. Because if the next parent chapter starts with a crazy dream with melting wolves melting their skin off and Basil Mon running around, when we know. We, we know exactly why. It's ugh. that there's cheese in that grass. <laughs> um, also. I just want to point out in the last couple chapters, um, we've been, you know, we spent time with Perrin and Gwen and the wolf pack today. Yesterday we were with uh, Maureen and Lynn and the rest of their group. And I just want to point out that we still don't know about our boy, Tom. So I want everyone to keep it in your hearts. <laughs> Everybody think about Tom. And soon, I'm sure we'll we'll have an answer one way or the other. But pray for Tom. Hashtag pray for Tom. Let's get that out there, people. Let's, we we got to make sure that Tom lives through this. Remember, he had that blue flash of light, and that's what keeps me going each day. It's the it's the light of hope. It's the light of hope that it's we look to every single day. And I don't know what our chapter tomorrow is, so I really hope that. It's with Tom. Uh, I don't know. I haven't even looked at the title. I haven't read it. I haven't gotten anywhere with it. But thank you for listening. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.